Hello, and welcome to this Solace Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solacechurch.com. Our passage today is Philippians 1. Let's look at Paul writing here in verses 19 through 21, and then I'll pray uh, and we'll get uh, into it. Paul writes, Philippians 1, 19. He's writing from prison. That's an important note. Okay, this is a prison letter. He says this, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Lord, thank you today for the book of Philippians and these words from Paul. I pray that you would empower me with your spirit now to communicate your heart and just to give clarity of vision as to who you're calling us to be uh, as your church, as Solus Church, stepping back into this, this new season. I ask for you to give me your spirit, to pour out your spirit upon me. Uh, We're here to hear from you. That's what I pray, God. Take what I've prepared and use it and speak to us now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Take your seat. All right. Well, title of the message today, remember this is a bit of a vision talk. I want to share some things with you guys that's on my heart as we head back to Don Estrich. But uh, I've entitled the message today simply, A Jesus-Centered People. That's the title of the message. A Jesus-Centered People. Now, if you have spent any number of time around our church, if you've just popped in on a Sunday, even if you just creeped on on our Instagram, because I know you all do that, all right? We all like to, it's the day and age of creeping, and it's totally appropriate, all right? Apparently, right? But, but if you've spent any, if you've had any exposure to our community, you will uh, quickly come across a, a statement, an expression, a declaration that our church is uh, seeking to be all about, and it's this phrase, what is it? Jesus at the center. So, yeah, my hypothesis totally worked because everyone in this room just shouted it back at me so loud, right? So, Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center. Uh, this is where our, where our, it comes from even what our, our name as a church is. Maybe you've been coming to Solus now for some time and you're like, I don't, really don't even get why they're called Solus. Like, what, is that just like a cool Latin word? Like, what's up with that? So there's actually some real heart behind the word Solus. It's an abbreviation for this incredible Latin phrase. It's the phrase Solus Christus, which means Jesus only or Christ alone. It comes out of the Protestant Reformation, which happened 500 years ago, where Martin Luther was reading the book of Romans And he was comparing what he was reading to what he was hearing in the Catholic Church, which was a very works-based relationship with God, where you were, God, Jesus was your Savior, but he kind of needed you to get get all the way there, you know? So it was Jesus plus your good works that saved you, that made you right with God. And Martin Luther, uh, he led the Protestant Reformation. Um, and it's what we're all today as, 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 as what we would call evangelical or non-denominational uh, for us, followers of Jesus, we're Protestant believers. And, and we find our 
conviction, we find our theology, it's based on these five Latin phrases that came out of that Reformation. And it really summar, it wasn't Martin Luther coming up with these, they came after the fact to sort of summarize what true orthodox doctrine is, like what Paul teaches, what Jesus taught, what the whole Bible teaches about who Jesus is and who we are. And so there are these great doctrines. One is sola scriptura. And it's the idea that all, all that we believe has to have its basis in the Bible. It's got to be based on God's word, not man's opinion or even religious tradition. We've had a cool opportunity as a church starting from scratch, being able to go to the Bible to inform us and not just go, well, this is how we've always done it as the church. No, no, what does God's word say? Okay, so it might be tradition to say this is how God will accept you, but what does the Bible say? So when you study sola scripture, when you get into the Bible, you get to things like sola fide, that our salvation is not based on our works, but it comes through our faith in Jesus' works. It's faith alone. Faith alone. We're justified not by faith and what we do. We are made right with God, declared righteous once and for all, simply by our trust in what Jesus did. That is the step we take. That is the, it's been said, we're not saved by works. We're saved by a work. And it's faith in another man's works. It's trusting in the cross. So sola fide. Uh, another really important one is sola gratia, which means it's all but because of grace. The whole reason why this salvation thing showed up in our sinful lives is not because we're like, you know what? I'm going to clean my act up. And God's like, good, good, good. Here's what you got to do to get there. And here's how you can save yourself. No, it's a God of tremendous grace that saw us in our sin and because he loved us, he so loved the world, he in his grace sent his son Jesus to die for us. See, this is what makes, uh, this is what should make Christians humble people, right? Humble people. Why? Because I'm just an object of God's grace. I'm not right with God because of anything I've done. I'm right with God because of what he's done, because he's good. And all really the Christian life is, is just learning to stay under that waterfall of God's grace, right? We tend to wander off into dry seasons, and usually it's because we left the outpouring of what Christianity is all about, what Jesus' message was all about, a God of love and grace towards people who don't deserve it, okay? Sola gratia. Now, it ultimately leads us to soli deo gloria, which is the most poetic and fun to say, all right? The most syllables. Soli deo gloria means that it's all for the glory of Christ alone. When we stand before God one day and we receive that access into heaven, we don't get to boast in that, do we? I did it. I made it. I was good enough. I was better than that person. I went to church more than that person, okay? I served on the setup team, okay? Please do, all right? Um, no, no, no. Jesus alone gets the glory, only Jesus. He gets all the glory for what he's done. And then ultimately, you could summarize all of these solas, these alones, faith, grace, scripture, God's glory, in this power-packed foundation, and it's solus Christus, Christ alone. Ultimately, isn't that the great way to summarize the Christian faith? It's just all about Jesus, man. It's all about Jesus and who he is and what he's done and the glory he deserves. And so we exist as those who have been saved by Jesus for the glory of Jesus. The church exists for Jesus. And so Jesus at the center, it's not just some kind of catchy catchphrase, okay? It's a meaningful mantra. It's rooted in deep conviction, 
that life is meant to function with Jesus at the center. That's what we're trying to get at here. That's why it's, it's our vision. Like Jesus being right in the middle and not us, not our preferences. I mean, it's his church, right? So him being at the center, we don't just do that because we're like, yeah, that would be cool. We should do that. That's a good idea. No, that idea of Jesus at the center, of God at the center. You see, this is how God created the world. We believe this is the proper order. This is best case scenario. You see, what's wrong with our world, I want, I want us to understand this. What's wrong most of the time in my life, in your life, what's wrong in the world around us is the result of God being pushed out of that center spot. All right? That's actually what the nature of sin is. Sin is the decentering of God and the self-centering of man. Think about the garden, right? God creates a world. He makes it beautiful. He makes it great. He, he takes the world and he puts man in it. And then he gifts man the world. He's like, I want you to take care of this. I was illustrating this the other day to my kids with a soccer ball. I was like, okay, he put us and I gave Judah the soccer ball. And he's like, I want to hold it. You know, it was awesome. It's beautiful. Children's ministry at home. All right. That's exactly what happened. Um, and illustrate. And, and then what did mankind do? Man, but God said, listen, I'm going to trust you with my creation. But I want, it's a partnership, right? Co-labor with me to accomplish my vision, but you've got to trust me. I know what's right, and I know what's wrong. Walk with me. And instead of walking with God in that center place of the world that he created, the Bible says in Colossians, for Jesus, by Jesus, we took what God created, we took our lives, and we instead ripped it away and said, no, God, I want to have my own autonomy. God has said that this tree is, is, is wrong, but... It's the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to find what's right and wrong. And that's what is wrong with the human race, isn't it? Independence from God is our biggest issue. It's the biggest problem, and it's the cause of all the brokenness in the world. Because we have decentered God, man is now, and this world is now, you could say, off-centered. It's spun out into all sorts of horrible places. When you look at scripture, what you see is that God throughout history, he's always been seeking to recenter humanity. Have you noticed this? Like even in Israel, it's so beautiful. God calls the people Israel. In the midst of an off-centered, crazy, chaotic world, everybody spun out of control, worshiping idols, worshiping themselves, and, and, and murder is now flowing, and just violence and evils now in the world. And so God calls a people through a man named Abraham, God calls a nation, Israel, and he goes, okay, in the midst of an off-centered world, I want you to be a people who are centered on me. So even the way, did you notice, even the way that God had Israel pitch their tents and make their camp in the wilderness, they were to do so around the tabernacle, which was the very house of God's presence. And, and do you get the picture? You, I want you to exist as a community with me at your center. I want you to be centered. That's what God's always been seeking to do. Here's my law. And here's what you find in the, in the moral of this story. Man on our own, mankind, um, has an inability to stay centered on God. Now, we can look at that through history, but can you just look at your own life for a second? Like, can I look at my own life? You notice that you have a tendency to not stay centered on God, to not stay centered on Jesus. And God knows this. God knows that in and of ourselves, we can never stay connected and centered on the proper life source on our own. So what did God do? God sent his son Jesus into the world. And what I love about the cross is that the, the Bible says in John, did you know, notice this? In John 19, it says that Jesus died 
in the center. It says that. He died right in the center between two thieves representing us, what we deserve. And, and that's what the gospel is. The gospel is God's work to recenter humanity upon himself through his son, Jesus. And so, by the way, that's who we are now as the church, right? We're a saved, hopefully recentered people. We're those that through the gospel have become recentered upon God. He's now our source. And though we drift away, Jesus is what keeps us connected. And now everything we do, it seeks to be at that place. You know, you get this great vision in the end of all time in the book of Revelation. You get this vision of everything in heaven. Heaven has a centered stage, right? Do we know this? It's not just like a random village with like babies and harps, you know, like, hey, hey, Carl. <laughs> Carl, the baby angel over there playing his harp, you know, hey. All right. That's weird. Um, you know, heaven, there's a vision in scripture of Revelation 4 and 5 of heaven having this center stage. It has a focal point. It has a center point. And, and that center stage, it has a central throne. Upon that throne, it sits Jesus. Upon that throne, it's God and God alone. And all of the created order there in heaven is just worshiping God. And all goodness is flowing as a result. We get this picture of like restoration. Like that's how it was supposed to be in the garden, right? Everything's centered upon the God who created them. Everyone. And so when we talk about this phrase, Jesus at the center, what we're talking about is a best case scenario. Like, what could we pray for as a church? Like, what's the best thing that God could do through Solus Church? I think a few things. It would be, first, it would be for Jesus to be this, at the center of our church as a community, isn't it? Isn't that like the best thing? Is there a better thing that God could do is make us a people centered fully in every way as a church on Jesus. Have you ever seen a church not centered on Jesus? Have you seen what can happen? Have you seen maybe in our church the times where we're not centered on Jesus? Let's like have some humility here, right? What's the best case scenario for our church collectively, man, to be centered on Jesus? You know what else we would pray for? I'm praying for Jesus to be at the center of our, our world locally. What, what's the best case scenario for South Florida? Is it the next president, whoever they're going to be? I mean, that'll help. And we all agree on what that should look like, okay? That'll affect things no matter who they are. But do we know that that's not the best case scenario? The best case scenario is that Jesus is at the center of the throne in our country. That's the best case scenario. That's what's wrong with anything that's broken is Jesus has been dethroned. He's been decentered, and other things have been placed there. And often there are things that like come from the Bible and are used without Jesus. It's like, I want the kingdom without the king. I want the kingdom, but I want it at the expense of the king being enthroned. Man, we exist as a community to see Jesus at the center in South Florida. Um, but I, I believe that all of this... It comes as a result, ultimately, of what I would say is the most important thing. And this is just what I'll leave us with. This is what's on my heart. Um, and it's Jesus at the center of our lives individually, okay? We could talk all day about Jesus at the center of our church, and we've, we, we seek, you know, to design things to be in such a way. Like, we don't start with worship, and music, 
because it's like a buffer period for people to show up, you know? Like you're coming, it's like the previews before the, the, the movie. Change that thinking, right? We start with worship because we're like, this is why we're here for Jesus. It's got to be centered on, the, on his worth. That's why we sing. It's why we do it. It's not just pragmatic. It's theological, okay? We open up God's word because we got to be centered on his word as a community. We, we, we spend time in prayer and we open up our lives to his work in our lives because that's like, you get it? Like we're orienting ourselves around Jesus. And that's all good. And we'll keep doing that. But what a tragedy it would be for us as a church to be those that do Jesus-centered things without actually being a community that's really made up of Jesus-centered people. How many of you guys have been in church for some time? Like, we know you can do Jesus things, right? And not be an actually Jesus-centered person. And so, man, that's, I think, what's truly on my heart. As we go into this next season, my heart is that we would be a truly Christ-centered people. I referenced, and we read there uh, at the start as an intro into our our service today, uh, the Apostle Paul. And there he is in a prison cell. I mean, I I would submit that um, the Apostle Paul is probably the most Jesus-centered person that I know of in history, okay? Okay. there's probably others, like your grandma's probably super Jesus-centered, like my, you know, like it's usually grandma, you know. But when you look at the life of Paul, here's Paul, and he's in jail, and he is being persecuted for his faith in Jesus. Um, he's suffering consequence, and he, he's, he's got this confidence that no matter what, like, he just trusts that God's going to deliver him. I love that. He's like, I just believe, we read that, your prayers, that God's going to hear them. And by the supply of the Spirit, Paul's like, I've been in jail before. <laughs> you know, he's like, I've seen how this turns out. Last time he was in that jail, the Philippi- previously, he started singing hymns and the walls fell down. So he's not like, he's like, oh, cool, jail, my second home. This is great. He's like, do you have a pillow? They had a pillow for me last time. You know, <laughs> like he's like super used to it almost. But, but what I love is, there's not absolute certainty. There's, there's expectation and faith, but only God knows what's going to come in Paul's future. Paul eventually will be martyred. Execution is what legally awaits him in this situation of this text we just read. But here's what Paul said. Paul goes, you know, I believe God's going to deliver me. He goes, but here's my ultimate goal in life. He goes, the ultimate goal is not to just live. He says, it's that Christ would be magnified in my life. Whether by life or by death, he says. Whether I get set free or I get killed in this prison, the ultimate goal in Paul's life wasn't his comfort. It wasn't his circumstances. It wasn't anything in his heart's desire that was for himself. His ultimate goal, he said, man, for me, he goes, to live is Christ. I mean, if I die, he's that's awesome. I go to heaven. That's what he says. To die is gain. But, but if, if God has me here, regardless whether life or death, he says, my ultimate goal, I am centered on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so, you know, it's interesting for some homework. Um, I wanted to keep this short, so I'm not going to go through it. But if you go through Philippians 1 all the way up to this chapter, you're going to see five ways that you can see the Apostle Paul 
centered on Jesus in his prisons, is in his prison cell. You're going to see in his intro, verses 1 through 3, that Paul is centered on Jesus with his identity. Jesus is at the center of who he is, his identity. You're going to see him go on to, to, to show that Jesus was even at the center of his priorities. Uh, that's verses 3, I think, through 8. Paul's in jail, and he's praying for the churches. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, talk about, like, what matters most to Paul is how everyone else is doing. Is Jesus at the center of your priorities? You, you'll see Paul looking at and praying for the church that the fruit of righteousness would come out of their life. You see, Jesus was at the center of Paul's activity, the things that he did in life. He sought to display Christ. He then talks about being in jail and all the things that are happening to him are being used for the furtherance of the gospel. He's like, man, this is great being in jail. So many prisoners have gotten saved. That's what Paul says. He's like, God's used my chains. And it's, it's, it's reached people in the prison and it's inspired Christians. Have you ever seen like a Christian that lives such a radical life, maybe to the point of martyrdom or death or persecution that you're like, God, make me more radical, right? And Paul's like, God has used my adversity for that. This is what's amazing. Jesus was even at the center of Paul's adversity, which is a big one because a lot of times we can put ourselves there, right? I'm at the center of what's happening to me. Paul's like, no, Jesus is at the center of what's happening to me. He's using it. Lastly, we see that Jesus is at the center of Paul's ministry. His ultimate goal in life was that Christ would be preached, that Jesus was his message. So, So just in those examples, Jesus at the center, your identity, Jesus at the center, what are your priorities? Is Jesus the center of it? Jesus at the center of his life and his activity, what he does. Jesus at the center of Paul's adversity. Jesus was at the center of Paul's ministry. To live as Christ is what Paul said. And so that's my charge to us as a church, man. As we are heading back to Don Estridge, we're going to continue as a community to seek to center our lives around following Jesus. Everything that we do on Sunday morning, it's got to be about him. And the ultimate goal is that we see South Florida look a little bit more like the kingdom of God. We see the kingdom of God here as a result of us and, and us being a part of many other churches on mission for that. But all a Christ-centered community really is is a collection of individuals who are centered on Jesus. That's what it is. So I just want you to think about your own life here. As I invite the band up to come close this out, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to ask yourself some questions right now. Here's the ultimate question. Is Jesus the center of your life? You know, we, we have different stories than that of Paul. Paul, Paul had a crazy testimony but we all have generally the same thing. See, our salvation is that we were lost and we were caught up in other things, but God sent Jesus into our lives. He saved us, man. He came to save us and center us on him. That's what he came to do. But let me ask you, is Jesus really at the center of your life? How do you define yourself? That's a good question. Is he at the center of your identity? Um, What matters most to you? Is he at the center of your priorities? What's being displayed through your life? Is Jesus at the center of your activities? What's happening to you? Is Jesus at the center of your adversity? And what message is your life and is your mouth proclaiming? Your social media feed? 
What, what are people hearing from you? Is Jesus at the center of your ministry? A Jesus-centered people. That's who God has called us to be. That's what I'm praying. He continues to make us to be as individuals. Man, um, the, the, the potential is limitless for a community of people who have surrendered to Jesus. What God can do in our midst, in our lives, through our lives, it's fun to think about. It's exciting. I'm excited for this. So let's stand together. Let's use this moment, even if you're at home, and let's invite the Holy Spirit just in this moment. We're, we're going to do it here in person. I want to encourage you doing it there online. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. Listen. To show us, here's what we want to do. God, show me the things that are in your place, right? Show me what I've put at the center of my identity. What have I put at the center of my priorities? What's the central message for my life? God, how am I seeing my struggles? What's being displayed? God, reveal to me what has taken your place, that I might cast it down as an idol that I might repent and turn from it, that I might come to you, the God who has sought to center me again on him. And that's all we have to do today. Isn't that great? You don't need a week to figure it out. Just, you need to just take a moment to repent. Say, Lord, take this out of the center and come be back at the center. Come be at the center of my life. Let's invite Jesus, invite the Spirit to recenter us uh, during this moment. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to visit us in person, we gather at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School in Boca Raton, Florida, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more sermon content and information, you can check out solaschurch.com.